All right. Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. It is Friday, and uh, that means that we're just getting started this week. No, I'm just kidding. But um, we are really excited to have John Nordstrom on the episode today. To take you a step back, this is the Pop Health Show. This show is for anyone that has passion in health, passion for making other people healthy, and passion for working in the healthcare industry. We've had a lot of different perspectives on health. One we have not gone deeper in is from a systems perspective, an IT perspective, lots of listeners, obviously, from a health tech perspective that listen in. Uh, John's going to be able to share some interesting insights in this arena, but most importantly, his story. John is the IT leader at Newark Beth Israel Medical Center and Children's Hospital of New Jersey. I'm not going to steal thunder anymore. I'm going to toss it over to John, who's John, welcome to the show, and would love to hear about your background. Tell us your origin story. Well, Anthony, um, I'm originally out of the, uh, my family was in the circus, so I traveled around a lot throughout the world and throughout the United States, and um, there was a point in time where we retired in uh, 1987, and uh, my uncle was part of the circus at that time still as we were transitioning to retirement. And we happened to be out at Lake Ray Hubbard in Dallas, Texas. And during that time, they were out fishing. And, uh, you know, the water waves are pretty heavy at times. And the minnow bucket that we were using actually floated out into the middle of the lake there. And uh, he dove in to get it, and his back locked out. And when his back locked up, he drowned at that time. And um, at that point, it kind of led me to believe that there was a lot of opportunity to help um position our family members in a, in a better way, anatomically, emotionally, mm. uh, internally. So some of those things don't happen and more of it is about prevention. Right. So that, that led me down a path to uh, taking on a, a medical technologist career. It started out in Vegas. And from there I moved into uh, the cardiology space doing EKGs and cardiac rehab for the department. And then more invasively into the cardiac cath lab, which uh, led me to do uh, angioplasties and assist in participating with pacemaker insertions and things of that of that nature. Uh, during my time there, we were the first ones in Las Vegas to introduce some valuable plastic procedures at uh, uh, the university center there. And from there, I've, I've continued to move on. I stayed within the cardiology division for about 20 years. And we're most excited right now for imaging. Uh, the imaging uh, analysis and the deep learning that is happening right now is uh, changing the way we look at things. Mm. Um, Really, so really imaging that we're looking at. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Anthony. No, no, no. This is interesting. So first of all, sorry for your loss, but thank you for sharing your story, your 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 origin story there. Um, and no, I was just going to add on that. You know, it's very fascinating that you've been deep in the cardiology space for a while, and it's led you kind of from a systems perspective. Um, and uh, yeah, really enthused to hear a little bit more about the imaging, you know, side and the deep learning side of what you work on as well. But uh, yeah, that was going to be my next question is, you know, tell us, tell us some of the things that you're working on. Tell us a lot more about the things that you're passionate, passionate about in health today. So, you know, over the last 20 years, the, the imaging, the imaging space within all of healthcare is changing and more specifically within cardiology, because now we have the ability to um, not only just see the coronaries or the heart um, in a black and white, but now we can actually do 4D redrawings. We can actually print out the heart. Um, which is critical for our congenital patients. Uh, they're born with abnormalities that uh, in previous years where we're not able to see very well until we actually uh, did some extensive surgery. 
But now with our technology, we can do a CT scan of that a patient um, in combination with uh, applications such as like TRRecon and some Philips tools, but it allows us to completely redraw the patient anatomy, compare it to other surgeries we've, we've done, and come up what is the best surgery for this patient. Uh, there's a, a diagram that, that we call it the Mullins diagram or Mullins drawings, which allows us to see hundreds of different anatomical um, procedures that have been completed with different kind of various pediatric patients, and we can apply that to the patient that you're seeing today. Wow. Wow. No, that's, that's super powerful, super powerful. And it feels like, you know, sometimes it feels like we're living in the science fiction of what we've read about, you know, and, and looked at in movies and comics and, um, you know, super, super exciting. Uh, tell us, tell us a little bit more. Tell us some, some other themes, uh, you know, in healthcare that have you passionate today. You know, integration is key today. Um, being more responsive to the patient, uh, being able to proactively reach out with them uh, pre and post their hospital visit. That's mm -hmm. extremely exciting because now all of our tools communicate with each other. Our telemetry system that is in the patient's room is now, com is now communicating with your voice Sarah badge that is physically on our nurse and our PAs and our physicians and so on. So it's mm -hmm. immediate communication. Uh, in addition to that, our EMRs have gotten to the point where we're able to ingest the patient information that is getting from the bedside, such as your EKGs, your blood saturations, mm -hmm. um, things of that nature, it automatically gets inputted into our EMRs, and we're able to quickly analyze that uh, remotely and internally and provide quicker and better care for the patients. So that, mm -hmm. that is really, really exciting as we continue to integrate more of our bedside monitoring with EMRs and things of that nature. Mm, yeah, no, really interesting, John. And you know, what's, um, what's fascinating in this integration world and, and, you know, love to hear, you know, your, your mindset, your mental model on integrations, but remind me again, your hospital system and network, you guys are, are on Epic or Cerner? Um, we're in great question. At this point in time, we're on Cerner, but we're in the process of reevaluating our EMR because we are recently have joined with RWJ, mm -hmm. uh, the Rutgers healthcare system. That's right. So now Barnabas Health is, is now composed of 11 different campuses across the state of New Jersey, in addition to a plethora worth of uh, private physician practices. So integrating a new EMR to our outside, patient, our outside physicians in con context with our hospitals is a very critical point right now. Um, so we're actually, we've, we're, we'll be deciding in the next month where we're going, either a full EPIC or a full Cerner implementation for all of our campuses. Super, super exciting. Um, I mean, independent of the system that you're on or, or, or continue to use in the future, when it comes to integrations, there, we have a lot of listeners that are in health tech, like you and I talked about. Um, a lot of early stage companies that are trying to get into hospitals, they, they, they're trying to do like one thing well, like maybe they're, they're a new type of Voicera and they're trying to get in. Maybe they're a new type of, um, you know, uh, deep learning uh, analytics that can sit on top of the EHR. Obviously today you focus on IT, but security is really important. HIPAA compliance is really important. What are some pieces of advice that you would have for a founder of an early stage company trying to um, you know, integrate with the EHR, get their application up on the Cerner marketplace or the Epic marketplace and, and make sure it's like secure. What are some words of wisdoms that, that you would uh, you know, get across to our listeners? So, so an, an example would be whenever we bring in any new technology into any one of our healthcare's, we have them actually fill out a security workbook 
and a fit review workbook. And in that security workbook, it, um, they have to break down what kind of SOC technology they are using, what kind of, uh, how the information is shared, how is the user uh, model is, is it active directory? There's a plethora worth of questions that we review prior to bringing in any new vendor. And then mm -hmm. a team, after we, after we reviewed their application, we sit down with the vendor and we discuss going back and forth with their, uh, their technical leads on the company side. And I would say one thing that's challenging them is um, not being HIPAA compliant to the nth. So, you know, they may be using some cloud technology, but that cloud technology is not HIPAA compliant yet. Right. We're going to turn the vendor away. Right. Um, don't have two-factor authentication, and depending on what they're doing remotely, we're going to turn you away. Um, so definitely um, maintaining a, a, a HIPAA space that is not um, sending, touching a variety of different clouds or going all across you know, um, you know, to China and back and forth, depending right. on the hardware that you purchased. Right. Uh, we've encountered a few of those issues as well, where, you know, they're bringing in cameras or they're bringing in switches from out of the country. And when we do our analysis on them, we find out that the images are actually being sent back into uh, Japan. And there's like a big circle, but right. the end user didn't know about it. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, no, thank you for the advice there. I mean, I think it is, it's more about minds. It starts with mindset and right? kind of a, a discretion uh, or uh, it's really discreet, right? It's either like you're complete or you're not and having a viewpoint and sometimes it's okay, right? Like there's certain areas you're not there yet, but just, you know, for a founder of one of these companies or, you know, the leader of IT for any, you know, um, organization in this space, it's just making sure that, you know, hey, we're not there yet on this cloud infrastructure, but we need to be there or just that empathy to know if there's a specific vendor and, it, and it's, it's almost like, you know, that saying, follow the money, like follow the data like making sure every single piece and note along the way is making its way. And so, um, yeah, um, th John, this is really super, super great, um, helpful info. And, you know, so integrations you're passionate about as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about, you know, integrations and how, um, from your standpoint, you look at, you know, things that you choose from like your core EHR system and the apps that they, or the functionality that the EHR has, um, available versus like other solutions that you tack on how do you know what to to as an it department to buy to integrate with to build like how do you assess functionality how do you take requirements and understand how to grow your 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 it ecosystem and your integration roadmap well given given that the hospital has so many different departments and there's so many needs there's really no way for you know any cio or any it security person to really lay out that, that plan and decide for the different teams. So what we've done here at uh, RWJ, um, Newark Beth Israel, is that we, we pulled a group of team members from the access team, from the imaging team, from the registration team, and we brought them to the table and Epic and Turner presented to them their best, their best products. And then we took feedback from each one of those various departments and we collated them and that's how we're deciding which way to go is by the subject matter experts instead of just IT deciding. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. And then because you know, yeah. the, the physicians will know what they need to document, how they want to document, um, you know, on, on our side, you know, can I integrate this? How many apps are available? Cause part of our decision of, of choosing an EMR is that we, we want to try to stop leakage, right? We don't want you to go to another healthcare system. So right. the better our tools are, the better the communication is with the physicians that are giving us patients, uh, that, that has a lot of weight. Right, right. 
Amen. No, this is great. This is great. And, and maybe you can speak to a little bit of, of, of a few of the integrations. Obviously, you come from a cardiology perspective, right? Really deep on the innovation on that side. You mentioned some things about deep learning and data science and on the imaging side. Um, but what are some integrations like you're excited about or, or you would be enthused to, to, to accelerate a little bit more that can add value to your system? So well, we're in the process right now working with a local company here in Newark. It's called Wellsheet. And Wellsheet has developed Wellsheet has developed an application that um, searchers or calls through our Cerner environment and brings out patient-specific information. Um, it just happens to be cardiac-related, but they do a variety of other things. But we brought them in to uh, look at our patients to see whether they're how their TAVR procedures are benefiting them, or are you needing a TAVR? But the fact that Wellsheet can crawl through our environment and quickly retrieve uh, numerical data, um, read the physician's notes, uh, regular H&Ps, um, procedure notes that have been completed, and extract the data presented to the physician in one view that mm -hmm. allows us to quickly decide. So that right there is, is tremendous. The fact that we can look through 10 years worth of a patient's historical record within seconds. Got it. I mean, yeah. Got it. Wow. And that's super powerful. It provides it and returns us back to us in a timeline. So it's mm -hmm. not just you're looking at things in an Excel spreadsheet. It literally lays out a timeline and says, these are the key information that has happened during this patient's stay and what is re relevant to why the patient is here today. That's an interesting paradigm, right? Because it's like the EHR is kind of typically like a, like a record-based architecture, not necessarily like a patient-centered, you know, like timeline, right? And so, um, so that's an interesting perspective that it brings to, to the architecture. But from a user experience, right, it's probably, it's easier to follow along stories than it is sometimes like record entries, right? Um, yep. I'm just thinking out loud here. We're also doing yeah. the same thing with, um, with Philips. So Philips, mm -hmm. uh, we, we work with Philips very closely as well, and we've recently rolled out uh, the, their IntelliSpace system, which has another timeline component, but it's for imaging. So you launch the application, and once you launch it, I'm into uh, Homer Simpson's record, and I can see uh, all the different CTs and MRs and X-rays and all their imaging laid out in a timeline. So if I needed to go back quickly, I can double click it and a hyperlink launches that application. But the fact that I don't have to look at uh, five different imaging systems to look at what the patient has had. Interesting. Really, really interesting, John. Really interesting, John. This is, uh, so I think, you know, integrations is really important you know you hit upon data science we talked about a little bit about security i think a lot of these things are paving the way for some some fascinating possibilities for the future can you talk a little bit uh about the future tell us your vision of the future you know you've had so much experience in the space you you started off from a point of of pain uh that has led you into the space and for a deeper calling um, what's your vision of the future? What are some things that you're believing in healthcare that you know in your heart are going to come to fruition? I think it's more and more, uh, you know, teams like IBM are learning so much and mm -hmm. they've learned so much over the years that we should come across um, the, the cure of a lot of diseases that we haven't been able to conquer because we didn't have either the mindset or the technical tools to achieve it. So there should, there'll be a lot more, um, I don't want to say viruses being solved, but I think there, there's a lot more of technology that's going to benefit us from uh, building new manufacturing 
artificial parts for our body, um, managing more our bloodstream and things like that. But that's only going to come because we're learning quicker and faster now with our tools of today. Mm. Mm. And, and, and as those things come into place, what are some like from a patient perspective, whether it's like a child's health care or an adult's health care, what's the, what's the use case or the benefit that someone would expect to receive uh, you know, from that in the future, whether it's like 10 years from now or 20 years from now or even greater? Well, I would say that the more that we integrate with, with the, the homes of today and, and the technology, so say for example, we're able to um, send you, uh, you're able to get, you'll, you'll be discharged from a hospital, you'll receive a, a text that says, do you understand your medications, do you understand your visit? And once you're home, you tie that into your, your Echo, your, your other home device, and it'll remind you that your medication is due, you wanna pick it up at CVS, well, mm. the computer will automatically put the subscription in, prescription in for you, you retrieve it, um, more communication as far as sending your vitals back from home into our EMR. Those are technologies that are in the works now, but are definitely gonna have huge impact. So therefore, you're not returning to the hospital as much. We're gonna do as much preventative care while you're at home. I be aware it. of it. I love it, I love it. John, as you were speaking kind of about the you know delivery uh, of, of services, how you in, do integrations, release them to clients, and then how you pave the way for you know, future iterations and integrations that you're doing. One thing I was thinking about is like my, my background, like when, I, when I've done like IT leadership stuff in from a financial uh, services perspective for, for those industries and for healthcare industries where I started off, um, IT leadership can be tough, right? You're trying to align the goals of IT and a team to the business goals as well. Sometimes you're not incentivized, right? You know, it's, it's funny, like the business development people get incentivized and commission for rolling out things, for hitting goals. Executives get great, huge, big bonuses, right, <laughs> for hitting goals. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'm always fascinated about is hearing the most modern way of like, what's the, what's the Kobe Bryant version of IT leadership in the modern hospital setting? Like, what are some good things that you're doing that make you know great functional IT teams? What are some things that really work to align your IT team with the business goals. Um, just love to hear a little bit about that. You know, I, I, with the business goals, we keep in mind that also there's a biomechanical component to healthcare. Mm -hmm. So being, being extremely uh, communicative with your biomedical team and senior leadership and nursing leadership, because mm -hmm. the nurses know exactly what they want or what they need in the, to care for their patients. And then Biomed manages it, and then IT makes sure it's integrated, because everything today, even though it's an EKG device or a, a, a blood pressure device, it has a server now. It's got an FQL license. There's a lot of that integration that has to happen, but if we continue to speak as a team on a weekly, uh, bi-monthly basis to understand what we're rolling out, because it takes six months, right, to roll something out, depending on the size of our institution, and we happen to be a 650-bed uh, hospital, so it's pretty large. Uh, we do transplant, lung and heart, so we're, we're very progressive in that area. So we try to stay on top of our procedures in combination with how the nurses are delivering care. But mm -hmm. when we meet weekly, we decide that roadmap, um, that enables us to tie everything together. And I'll share another thing is we bring into a nurse call system, something so simple as nurse call. Today's nurse call system allows us to get uh, text and communication to a smartphone. It allows you to send vitals to the smartphone. Mm -hmm. um, and besides the voice Sarah. So all that integration happens, but communicatively as a team, that's the only way it's gonna work.
Nice, nice. No, I appreciate that laying, laying that out and kind of the connection there and that alignment, you know, feels key. And it sounds like you guys are leading the charge. You're leading the charge, right? Obviously at your hospital. And so really, really excited and kudos to you for, for, you know, aligning these two functions. Cause sometimes, you know, IT could be off in the corner and doing their own thing and, you know, saying no to a lot, right? <laughs> saying no to a lot of things, you know, where if you can get the, the wheels turning in the right direction, um, you know, it makes all the difference. Uh, John, when it comes to my, one of my last questions here is um, internal, external, right? Everything affects everything. When it comes to a hospital, sometimes we have people on our episode share uh, details from a health and well-being perspective that work for them personally and for their team and things that they promote from an internal wellness perspective. Um, what are some things that work for you, whether it's diet or a special like jujitsu practice or Krav Maga practice, but what are some things that you and your team do to stay, you know, in optimal well-being so that, you know, you you can, you know, exude that leadership because obviously with patients, right, it's like, you know, we need to practice what we preach. And I preface the question, not like I'm an Olympian or anything like that. I haven't eaten carbs in 10 days, but truth be told, I'm weak in the knees for Kit Kats and Oreos. So I may have some tonight or, or this weekend, but tell us some things on a, from a personal basis or from an IT team perspective that you guys do to stay healthy and happy. You know, we, we try to, we try to make sure that, that our, our so field service, telecom, um, you know, medical records, those are the departments that really um, I, I oversee on a daily basis. And right. you know, having having meetings outside of the hospital, uh, attending functions together, you know, and when we have our, our meetings off campus, you know, it's 30 minutes of a discussion. The rest of it is just uh, being able to communicate with each other and, and just kind of take the load off because it's constant, constant, constant uh, phone calls and texts. And, you know, it's not just the server's down or my access is down. There's so many issues that happen on a daily basis that the only way to really step away is to get away from the campus. And we right. try to make sure everybody steps away. They go to a conference in New York City or uh, we, you got to be taken away from the environment to stay mentally sane. Right, right. Yeah, I love that. It's funny you say that. Yeah, you know, we've been trying to promote that a lot with more our team. Um, there was an interesting LinkedIn article that came out this week about like creative professionals their best work is not done at the at the desk and um you know it always happens too whether it's like the the shower or the you know going for a walk it, it just somehow something about the mindfulness of getting away like filters the important stuff to the top right um yes. and so uh john this is great would love as you work on different projects throughout the year would love to have you back on the show love your insight in this space you know IT is almost like everything. Everything's digital, right? And, you know, being able to put processes and technology solutions in place is what scales empathy and can kind of really enhance, um, you know, things in the hospital settings. Kudos to everything that you're working on. Um, what would be a good way for our listeners to get in contact with you if they would like to do so? Uh, they can email me directly. Uh, that would be the best way. Okay. Okay, great, great. Can I share something else with you? Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, one thing on the integration standpoint, I, I, I can't stress enough the importance of replication. Mm. So now that we're part of 11 campuses and we're all together, uh, we try to cut costs by streamlining the amount of interfaces or physical boxes that we have. So basically we got, you know, I don't know, probably 70, 80 applications that filter down through one interface server just one for all of our campuses mm. so if that one 
face server goes down, you've now taken down 11 hospitals. Wow. So I stress, I stress, is that replication to have a separate data warehouse in another location. So mm. should something happen to your main, you can roll over quickly to the other one. Because without it, the whole hospital's dead and you're down to paper. That's a good question. Not to, not to ask a, a geeky question on top of that, but we have some geeky listeners <laughs> sometimes. When it comes to that replication, uh, when it comes to hosting or infrastructure, not we don't have to mention brand names, but any any deeper thoughts or insights there or, or advice? Uh, just um, we just happen to have two separate data centers in different parts of the state, and yep. just making sure that you are able to put protocols in place that provide a timeline as to when to flip the switch to your other data center is critical. And then also testing that switch. How hmm. many times have you actually taken down your system and said, all right, we're going to go to paper mode and we're going to flip the switch and come back up. I, I, I love it. I bet a lot of people don't do that and they think their, their workflow is, is perfect. But if you haven't tested it and flipped the switch, you don't know what you're going to get. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, you probably had some good mentors. I've had some good mentors in a healthcare IT setting as well. I remember, you, you remind me of this one scenario of, uh, of um, my first mentor. I was working for a managed mental healthcare company and I was the network engineer and I was doing all the backups. And uh, one day he did tell me like, I may lose a file one day. I'm going to need you to recover it. I may need to be running into a meeting. Now he played around and he actually deliberately deleted a file he needed, but he did it in purpose just to see if I can replicate it and restore it. Thank God I was able to, but the stress, the sweat, I, I, I never forget that story. And it only took that one lesson to always remember that there is true testing and then there's symbolic testing and symbolic testing is the one that will sink you sometimes. And, uh, it's uh, it's scary, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. You just refreshed my memory <laughs> uh, back in the day. But um, uh, John, this was great. Thank you for sharing your insights. Thank you for your time. We'd love to have you back on as you work on other projects and bring other creations and technology solutions to fruition at your at your system. Um, to our listeners out there, this is the Pop Health Show. This show is for people that have a passion for health. John, again, thank you so much for your time and for being on our show. It's my pleasure, Anthony. Anytime, uh, please feel free to reach out to me for any questions. Will do. Will do. Much appreciated. All right. Thank you. Thank you.